minutes. You'll even get a gift that enhances your performance in the bedroom. All this worth hundreds of dollars is free if you call now. 216-290-6032. 216-290-6032. That's 216-290-6032. Hurry in for limited time favorites priced low at Giant Eagle, Get-Go, and Market District. We've locked in prices on more than 1,000 items across the store. Products you want, brands you trust. All earning my perks on every trip. Perks that are good for free gas and groceries. Price lock is here at Giant Eagle, Get-Go, and Market District, where savings add up every day. Peter and Company Jewelers in Avon Lake invites you to their annual wedding band weekend, March 1st and 2nd. Guys, you can custom create your own wedding band right there on the spot, and you can make your band out of amazing products like whiskey barrels, Damascus steel, and even meteorite. Plus, if you make an appointment, you'll receive a free gift just for showing up. 20% off your wedding band purchase, Peter and Company Jewelers, Avon Lake, making it simple for everybody since 1987. It's where Cleveland shops for their wedding bands. PeterJewelers.com. Hey everybody, it's Anthony Lima for QC Kinetics and it's that time of the year to enjoy life. Stop letting that pain in your joints keep you from doing what you want to do this spring right here in Cleveland. Call QC Kinetics today, the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. I'm talking lasting joint pain relief with no surgery, no drugs, and best of all, no downtime. And it's a fact, QC Kinetics literally transforming lives. I know what it did for me and my shoulder. For you, their advanced treatments can harness your own body's ability to restore and repair damaged joint tissue and get you feeling good again. 216-770-5488. Pro athletes have been doing this for decades, but now this life-changing treatment is available for you. So you can walk and run and climb stairs, play golf, whatever it is, you can move again pain-free with no pain pills, no risky surgery, a all-natural solution. And that's what we're truly looking for in life. Give them a call today, 216-770-5488 with locations in Westlake, Independence, Beachwood, and Menor. That's 216-770-5488, QC Kinetics. Broadcasting from the Serpentini Chevrolet Studio. Hear the latest from Goodyear every 20 minutes during our 2020 reports. WKRK FM and HD1 Cleveland Heights. Right to we are Cleveland's Sports Radio 923 The Fan. Always live on the free Odyssey app. 2020 update is brought to you by the Buckeye Law Group. Need legal advice? Huddle up with the Buckeye Law Group. Call them today at 1-800-411-PAYNE for a free consultation. The NFL Combine kicked off its festivities today in Ohio State's star wideout. Marvin Harrison Jr. will reportedly not participate in any drills at the Combine or Ohio State's Pro Day. Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm gonna break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because I mean, I'm in puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And welcome on in. It is overtime with John of the Beatle. I'm glad you guys can be with me here on this Monday. I didn't forget how to do it. We still remembered how to do my open, which is fantastic for me. I know. It's been a while. It's good to be back. It's good to be home. Good to hang out with you guys. Ah, Two weeks in the morning. Listen, I actually did a good job uh, waking up and being all right. And then it's funny. I had to try to get myself all ready for today. And it felt like 
it felt like it took forever for today to get here, like like seven o'clock. I, I just I kept like pacing around my house and then listening to things and then coming up with different takes and doing all everything you need to do to get ready for a show. And I just kept being like, oh, can we can we get there already? One thing about the morning that's nice is that you because you wake up so early, it just the show comes and then the show is just over. And the show is over and it's ten o'clock. And then they they do half hour post-show meetings uh, in the morning and so you're kind of there till like 10 30 or so and and they recap and go over things which is different here at the night show we just we just leave we are done with the show we are over that is it I actually I kind of wondered if during some of their post-show meetings if they if they wondered if like why, why is Jonathan so quiet it's like well Jonathan's quiet because uh, uh because I just I I typically just I'm done talking for the day like I did the show I talked for four hours I'm done I do this show I, I talked for five hours I'm done talking for the day and so, uh, but what's amazing though, you get done at 10 and then, you know, you're, you're out of the door by 1030, 1035, whatever it is. And then you just kind of have your whole day and it's just, it feels weird. I remember when I did mornings in Wichita and I used to kind of break up the days. I would do the morning show. I would do some production work and stuff like that afterwards. Cause I was also like the, and when you were working a, a, it's a top 100 market, but it was like market number 92, Wichita, Kansas is. And uh, I was also the program director. So I was program director and host. And so I had a bunch of program directing duties that I had to do. But I was out of the door by 11, 12, something like that. And I'd go home and sleep. And then I'd wake up. And it would, it would be like a split of two days. And I didn't really have that. Because my daughter's up by the time I get home. Sure, she takes a nap during the middle of the day and everything. But I was like, this is it. I'm up. I'm up and it's done. And then I'm asleep by you know 9 o'clock or whatever it was. And so like, it was such a different experience for me. And uh, now getting me back into the rhythm of this, I think will be a little interesting as well. But this is where I feel at home. I really do. I, I like the nighttime. I like talking at night. I feel like I, I enjoy being up with you guys. And I, listen, I enjoy doing the morning. Let's not mistake the two. But I enjoy being up here with you guys. And uh, let's get ready to go for a fun five hours. Now, one thing that's different about doing the night show is that you really do get to take in everyone's opinions on, let's say, what the big topic of the day is. And then you can kind of deviate from that, and then I can also, you know, I think you guys have understood at this point, I got a little bit of a different brain than most people. It just it just operates a little bit differently when it comes to sports and sporting uh, matters. I, I, I tend to think outside the box. That's why typically you'll hear takes that you just don't hear all throughout the day when you listen to this show. Something I pride myself on, I always have. I always have unique angles, different angles. And I feel like there's a couple attached to Donovan Mitchell that have not really been discussed I, I think the the sentiment I've gotten in Donovan Mitchell sticking up for Darius Garland is that a lot of people just want to give him kudos give him uh basically a an audible high five for sticking up for Darius and then that's kind of the like the conversation then shifts to the other parts of this and we're going to get to the other parts of this as well the parts of like can the two of them coexist who's at fault is Darius uh, really someone you want to tie yourself to? All these other angles attached to this. But I, there, there's a couple things within Donovan sticking up for Darius that stood out to me that I haven't heard today. And so I'm going to play this clip for you guys in case, you're, in case you're just tuning in tonight. You haven't heard the big talk of the day. This was Donovan Mitchell after the team's win last night. Here we go. I'm on social media, and I feel like people aren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I'd like to speak on that because I think it's 
You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, he's he's a kid that's proved himself not only to this fan base but to this league. You know, what I mean, so ready to rag on a kid for what one half of a season? I think that's BS. So I've been waiting to say that, and I've been waiting, meaning to. So I'm, I'm glad I'm waiting tonight, just because he's he's continuing to find his way. Like you know, we it's been two months, and you know he's figuring out, slowly getting back to it. But at the end of the day, he's he's going to be there for us. You know, I understand that come playoffs, come whenever, like we need we need him, and he knows that, and he's continuing to build, and we got all the confidence in him. But you know, too. The way people have been talking has been ridiculous, to be honest with you. So we got his back. We know who he is, and, you know, we'll be good. I think two things happened. I think one was unintended, and I think the other was intended. We'll go over both of them here. Hold on. First one is I think it highlighted the problem. It felt like someone on the station spending a portion of their show to discuss, you know, people on Twitter hating on, let's say, me, for instance, right? Like, let's say I, I do the morning show or something like that, and then all of a sudden uh, a couple of tweets come my direction, and they're like, ah, at Jay Peter and you suck, you clown, or something stupid like that, right? And then it'd be like if, if Nick or Ken or someone like that took part of their show to be like, listen, I just don't understand. The man is extremely talented. He's very good at his job. He does not deserve the hate that he has given off. I don't know why I made the combo of Ken and Nick kind of sound a little bit like Obama there, but that's neither here nor there. It would just highlight the fact that people are throwing me down. That's all that would be. It would be it would be highlighting the idea that people are then not enjoying what I'm doing in any capacity. It just makes no sense to me. Actually, in fact, I remember a time specifically at the station. This was like four or five, six years ago, somewhere in that somewhere in that area. Someone made a someone made a threat to me online. And listen, threats are what they are in this business. I, it's sad to say, but in this business. They, they just, they happen. You just, you just kind of brush them off. It is what it is. And I remember this person like quote tweeting it and then making a whole big deal about it. I was like, I didn't need that. I didn't, I didn't ask for you to do that. I didn't want that. It just made it a bigger deal than what it was. And ultimately it just drew a t- uh, more eyeballs to the problem than anyone really needed to have drawn attention to them. The cool thing about ignoring people on Twitter is that most of the time, if they say something nasty, it's like seven people that end up looking at it. So as long as you don't respond to it, nobody cares. Like, that's honestly, you win the battle because they don't have enough of a platform for it to matter to begin with anyway. This felt like Donovan fanned the flames of highlighting how bad of a season Darius Garland is having. This felt like, if anything, all Donovan did was take a conversation that was a footnote and a sidebar part of the story. Maybe we would have gotten there with a bigger part of Darius and a bigger part of uh, the. And listen, he's always been an underlying part of the Cavs to begin with, anyway. When we talk about whether or not two six feet one guards can work, it's always been part of the conversation. But in recent weeks, we haven't been talking about with Darius's return specifically highlighting Darius. If we had, it'd been maybe like a one or two sentence thing, not something that we spent an entire day discussing. And every single program talked about it today. I don't know why I said program like it's 1955, but every single show talked about it today, whether it's for an hour or whether it was for two hours or whether it was for five minutes, every single show got their thoughts off on why they think Darius Garland is not as good at his job as what he was last year. I know your heart was in the right place, Donovan. I get it. I, I genuinely do believe you weren't trying to highlight it and, and put a, a spotlight on what's currently happening with Darius Garland, but ultimately that's all that ended up happening. When you try to attack and go after the people on social media that are saying the hateful things and are saying the things that uh, maybe you don't necessarily agree with, the end of the conversation isn't about what happened in the Washington game. It's about, wait a second, 
Why don't these two work together? And I haven't checked around. Listen, I, I can just be honest with you today. I spent a lot of time dealing with local things today, trying to get my head on local things. I did a Saturday show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, I Listen, when I do the Saturday shows on CBS Sports Radio, I know what's happening nationally. I don't need to tune into you know one of the ESPN shows or Fox Sports 1 or anything like that. Uh, court storming. Got it. We'll talk about it later on, right? Like, I, I got what happened this weekend in the sports world. I was dialed into what's happening locally. And, and so, I forgive me, I can't tell you if all of a sudden this means that Bill Simmons went on a 20-minute diatribe about why is it Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell don't work. But what I do know is in our little bubble here, that was the conversation today. Wasn't just 92.3 The Fan. Anywhere that you consume Cavs discussions, they were talking about Donovan Mitchell's comments. And they were talking about the fact that Darius Garland isn't as good right now as what he had been. Down to the idea that uh, we just don't shoot as many threes when Darius is in the lineup. Like little things like that that end up being big things. And we'll discuss some of the nuances and some of the, the bigger picture items attached to all this. But I, I, I feel like in this moment, Donovan tried to help and all it ended up doing was hurting Darius and hurting the discussion. If anything, it gave people the ammunition to dislike Darius even more ammunition. I think it, it, it did something that he didn't intend it to do, but here we are. The other thing I thought was really fascinating, and we'll get your phone calls on Donovan and Darius coming up at 216 to below 92, asking basically what's wrong with Darius, where if I said this a week ago, you'd probably be like, not much is wrong with Darius. What are you talking about? But again, Donovan speaks on it. We go a little bit deeper into some of this. And and some of the convos like we had with Chris Fedor last week where Chris is like, Donovan and Darius have one of the best duos in the NBA if you go by a per-numbers basis. Now all of a sudden we're like, well, yeah, maybe. But again, the, the three-point shot. What was a, a cheat code for them is not a cheat code right now when they're not shooting 30 of them a game. And when they were shooting 37 of them a game and now they failed to crack that 30 mark since the All-Star break has come back. I wonder if Donovan in this instance is protecting himself. What I mean by that is I was I don't think that Donovan is the type of person that would put friendships above success when it comes to the NBA. And I can't even speak to the type of friends that the two of them are. I got a feeling it's better than the friendship he had with Rudy Gobert because by all accounts, that wasn't much of a friendship. But publicly, he didn't throw Rudy Gobert down until the trades were all completed and Utah finished off the red wedding of sorts and just got rid of everyone that was tied together to the Gobert and Donovan Mitchell years. Publicly, he just said it was a a matter of basketball differences, but then ask Rudy Gobert what happened and Rudy Gobert was so quick to constantly throw Donovan Mitchell down. I wonder if Donovan is getting himself prepped for the ending of Darius Garland with the Cavs. NBA trade rumors put Garland with the Bulls, put him with the Spurs. He's been rumored in spots, right? If Donovan feels like he can get better, do you think he'd save Darius? What part of their buddy-buddy relationship gives you the idea that Donovan won't do him like he's Pesci and Goodfellas? Think about it. And this is sports radio at its finest, by the way. This is what we get to do. But summer of 2024, Darius gets traded. And when everyone is saying that Donovan called for the trade because they didn't achieve their goals and their dreams in the postseason, Donovan gets to go back to this clip and plead ignorance. How, when his time in Utah broke up, he claimed it as basketball reasons, as I mentioned, right? That's what it was, basketball reasons. He gets to go back. He gets to go ahead and try to be the good guy. That's what Donovan likes to be the good guy in the media, to the fan base. Who doesn't like to be the good guy? Can't blame him for that. 
We all like to be the good guy. Why not? Donovan, it was it was ingenious by Donovan to make these statements now and to get this and to get out in front of this. I've always had Darius's back. I've always been there for Darius. I'm always pro Darius Garland. Go back and rewind the tape. I stuck up for him when everyone in social media wanted to be the keyboard warriors and throw the digital rocks in his direction. He gets to just do this time and time again now. He gets to live on these words, and it's a win-win because if it works and in the postseason Darius comes to life, then Donovan gets to say, I always believed in Darius. And if it doesn't work and we find ourselves in a situation where Donovan has to call for the hit, so to speak, first off, we'll never find out that Donovan called for the hit, and he can hide undercover. He can, now you can just hide and be like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I have always vouched for the man. I think the two of them are fundamentally different people. I think Darius is different than Donovan. And I think, you know, sometimes in life we're like, oh, odd couples. They work together, right? I think in relationships, if you have your core values down, I feel like you can differ on who likes pineapple pizza and who likes pepperoni pizza. And I think it's kind of like quirky and fun. When it comes to work, I feel like we like the people that are like ourselves the most. We like the people that have our same work ethics. We like the people that are driven if we're driven people. If you're not driven, you probably like the people that are also not driven and try to cut corners. We like who we are close to in work environments. And I feel like Darius is just, it's night and day, the difference between Darius and Donovan. Donovan, who treats every single game like it's game seven of the NBA Finals. And then Darius, who is a little bit more go-with-the-flow type guy. They're different people. They're different people. 216-474-0092. Let me ask you, what's wrong with Darius? Is he going to be able to get this right, or is it a fundamental basketball issue and is Donovan prepping himself? Is he getting himself ready for if this doesn't go the way that he intended? If this doesn't go the way that we all want it to go, he's gotten out and suggesting, ah, I've always rooted for Darius. Always been in Darius's corner. Is that what last night was about? 216474 to below 92. Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Chubb and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. With your phone calls and more, let's get this thing started. It's Overtime with Jonathan Biddle and here with you on The Fan. I'm on social media, and I feel like people aren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I'd like to speak on that because I think it's You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, he's he's a kid that's proven himself, not only to this fan base, but to this league. You know what I mean? So, ready to rag on a kid for, what, one half of a season? I think that's BS. So, I've been waiting to say that, and I've been waiting, meaning to, so I'm, I'm glad I didn't tonight. Just because he's he's continuing to find his way. Like, you know, we, it's been two months, and, you know, he's figuring out slowly getting back to it. But at the end of the day, he's, he's going to be there for us. You know, I understand that come playoffs, come whenever, like, we need we need him. And he knows that, and he's continuing to build it. We got all the confidence in him. But, you know, too, the way people have been talking has been ridiculous, to be honest with you. So, we got his back. We know who he is, and, you know, we'll be good. That's the voice of Donovan Mitchell after last night's uh, win. Excuse me. Felt like a loss. That's why I almost said loss. Chuck on Twitter. Twitter reactions brought to you by Shopping Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Says people have been talking bad about Darius nonstop for the last month. Donovan coming out and telling the media and fans to shut the bleep up is the best thing that could happen with this team. All right. It definitely has not been nonstop. There's, it just hasn't because when he was out, nobody was talking about him. It's really just been since he's been back. And the only reason why people have been discussing him and I do this every single day, so I think I would have a pretty good insight into this, is the idea that uh, it, like it's, a, it's like a one or two sentence thing that just kind of gets tacked on. We haven't spent an hour talking specifically about Darius Garland. Darius gets talked about, but not a ton, and not really the way that I feel like he should be talked about when you see what's happened over the previous couple games. You see what the disappearance, the Houdini act 
that the three-point shot is taken when he's in the lineup, and then when you're going and watching some of these games based off of what happened since January 1st where they had the best record in the NBA. I, I don't know. Maybe I just see it differently. That's why I, I ask it. 216474 to below 92. Do we have a Darius Garland problem? But when when Donovan speaks up on it, I guess we just see things a little bit differently, Chuck. I don't see this as Donovan shutting out and shutting down the naysayers. That's not what I get out of this. I feel like he fanned the flames. Unintentionally, I feel like he fanned the flames. I feel like uh, now because all we've done all day is talk about whether or not Darius and Donovan can work, the conversation has shifted. And the conversation has shifted not in a good way for someone like Darius Garland. Where now you have people like Lima comparing him to Ben Simmons as far as his uh, PER is concerned and all these other different advanced analytics. And you're like, well, wait a second. We, no, we can't have that type of production. I mean, I, I went so far as to try to map out if we, if, we, if we just looked at the core four, who exactly would stay and who wouldn't stay. If you're looking from Donovan from Donovan's eyes, end of the season, let's say you fall short, you know you have to shake the snow globe up. Who are you keeping? Who are you not keeping? Donovan's one. Allen and Mobley are a discussion for number two. As of right now, I, I might I might stay with Mobley over number two, but Jared Allen's played so well, I think it actually does become a discussion, as mind-blowing as that might be to some people listening out there. I think it actually does become a discussion. And then Darius Garland is like, a, he's so far behind in fourth, it's not even funny. I, I don't know how they fix this. I don't. There's a clear problem, though. And all the people that want to go ahead and give credit to J.B. Bickerstaff, now's the real coaching. Now's the chance we get to see real coaching be done. Does he stagger the minutes out? What does he do in regards to making the two of them throw up as many threes as they had been doing prior? How do we get back to that? How do we get to the team that had 57 three-pointers in a game? Like, how, how do we how do we build that team and make that team the team that the Cavs continue to go down the road with? Because that team was wildly successful. I always I think it's so funny to me. It, it took the NBA so long to learn three equals more than two. Just in a, a crazy long amount of time to put together that three equals more than two. Now it feels like to me. The Cavs are treating games like they're a three-point contest. It's working. And then in since getting Darius Garland back, they just reverted back to the, the form that they were prior to, to really having Darius be away. It's like they cracked the code, have the cheat code right there, and then are sitting there and just opting not to use it. It's like uh, back in the day when we used to play with with Michael Vick on, on Madden games. I always go back to Vick because I, I stopped playing Madden video games a long time ago. I'm not that guy that's like I'm 34 and I won't play video games. I just I, – I made a bad bet when I was like 15 years old that video games by the time I was 35 – well, you'd just be considered a loser if you're still playing video games. And I forgot to account for the fact that uh, – uh, 15 year olds love video games, 35 year olds love video games. And like, we would, we would evolve with that. Just, just a, just a miss on my end. So I quit video games because I'm like, I can't be doing this at 30. I like it too much. I can't be doing it at 30. Remember playing those video games and Vic running the ball was a cheat code. It'd be like having Michael Vic there and then just being like, nah, I'm not going to run the ball. It's basically what the Cavs are doing here. They're not able is the better way to put it. They're not able to shoot the three ball the same way that they were when Darius is off the court when he's on the court. Zach Harper joined Afternoon Drive earlier today, and uh, Zach Harper was talking about Darius and Donovan and how the two fit. 
I mean, I don't think he's nearly as good as, as I expected him to be, and I think as most people did, because one, the injury, he missed a lot of time, right? And two, I do still think, like, even though they were successful last season, they've been successful this season, there's still not that comfort with him and Donovan still on the court together, you know? Like, I, it's not bad. It's not like, ooh, I don't know if this can work. I just don't think it's maximizing both players at all times. I think you've even seen Mobley suffer from that a little bit, because, you know, those are two guys that need the ball in their hands to find that rhythm and to be at their best, and trying to spread that around trying to get them in rhythm is tough and Donovan's just been the better player right like Donovan's been incredible this year he's been an all-star he's he's all NBA you know he's in the MVP conversation for for a little bit like you know he's been so good and I I think that's going to be JB's biggest hurdle the rest of the season is how do we get Darius up to whatever his maximum potential can be while not having Donovan fall off while not having Mobley fall off or any of the complimentary players around those three it's tough it's a tough juggling act because you know the cliche is there's only one basketball to go around but in reality like yeah there's, there's only one guy to really initiate the offense consistently and the other guys have to fall in line exactly right how do we get this team to balance out the idea that you want Darius to improve you want everyone around this team to improve but really the secret sauce is just getting them to shoot the ball more times from the perimeter that's really that's what you need that that's what is missing that is what is lacking and that is what has been so obvious to this team in the now few games we've had Darius back in the lineup, back from that broken jaw. And I do think there is part of the idea that Darius, since he's been back, has been avoiding some hits. He's been avoiding going to the hole and putting his body uh, up against the line because it's a very physical game. There's no denying that. Obviously, we all know the NBA is very, very physical. And I, I think when you break your jaw and you're in Paris having to, uh, to put a smoothie, a blender right out on the table and then blend your steak together in order to eat your dinner, you probably think twice about some things in life. You probably try to do everything in your power to make sure that you don't have to live that experience again. And so I think there is part of that with Darius. But ultimately what happens when he tries to shoot the three ball or really tries to facilitate and get the three ball open for other people is it just it just isn't there the same way that it's there when it's Donovan and then everybody else and everybody else working in tandem. It's odd because you can tell me about the the advanced analytics suggesting that Darius and Donovan together are actually working offensively, but your eyeballs are telling you one thing and then some of the numbers if you use the different lineups can really get they can get twisted in an unfriendly way for Darius. And when you watch this team, you, you, you look at it and you see it any given night now. Now all of a sudden, we are taking on teams that we should be dog walking. We should be rolling over easily. And uh, night in, night out, it seems like it's a hard, it's a hard experience for the Cavs. Last night shouldn't have existed. The Wizards are... They're, they're an assault on basketball. They're an embarrassment to the game. They, they make my eyes bleed watching that team play. And then we're praising Darius Garland for hitting back-to-back threes in an important part of the game. We never should have been in an important part of the game. But I think it's obvious to everyone watching. And, and I think the, the beginning of a trend is like an alarm. You're more likely to hear it the closer you are to it. I'm going to wait and see when the national media wakes up to discussing this if they do. I don't think we're on their radar, but that's okay. We see what the problem is. Now it's on the Cavs to figure it out from there. It's obvious to everyone paying attention. JB, you want to impress me? Figure out how this works with Donovan and Darius, and then we can go from there. 216474 to below 92. Can they work together, though? Has got to be the big question. It's funny. I think they, I think we've solved the problem. I don't know that we have... Even though we've solved the problem, 
I don't know that it's it's something that we can work around though. Like, like I, the the issue is there; it's addressed. I think everyone with two eyeballs around the Cavs can understand what they need to do to get this team to the next level in the next round of the postseason. But will it ever actually work? Or is anytime Darius and Donovan on the court together, is it going to look like our, our three point uh, percentages and our perimeter game just completely evaporates and disappears? It's got to be a, a big time question, and it got to be something that the Cavs really truly do address. But as far as Donovan's comments today go, it was just odd to me that I it felt like so many people wanted to do victory laps for Donovan Mitchell and really pat him on the back and say, wow, what a great teammate. What a great guy. How awesome is it that he stuck up for his teammate? He stuck up for Darius. Yeah, this will show the blog boys out there. I don't think it matters in the slightest bit. I think the blog boys and the people out there that want to criticize Darius are still going to criticize Darius. And all this did was create a cover for Donovan if at the end of the postseason, Donovan looks around and says, oh, yeah, no, we can't do this. We we I got it. We got to mix it up. Then he's not going to get blamed for breaking up the band. He's not he's not going to he's going to get credit, if anything, for sticking up for Darius. And then it'll fall on Kobe Altman for having to make the hard decisions and make the actual move when anybody that's ever paid attention to the NBA understands how this works. We understand that the players and the stars make the moves and the decisions. These stars have more of an impact on what does and does not happen than anybody else in the game. Ask LeBron how it's gone for him for years. This is how this works. We're used to this with LeBron. LeBron was more transparent about it than maybe Donovan likes to be. But part of being that leader that Donovan wants to be and part of being that leader that Donovan claims that he is is being the guy that at the end of the season saying, hey, it didn't go the way we wanted and now we got to shake the snow globe. Now we got to do things a little bit differently. We actually do have to make a move because we can't keep running this same thing back because if we keep running the same thing back, the same results are going to happen as well. And I don't know about you guys, but I am tired and I will be tired of the Donovan Darius thing if we end up in the postseason and get knocked out in the first round. I, you can talk about a core four. You can talk about development or lack thereof. You can you can talk about all these things until we're blue in the face. If they lose in the first round, we need to see, we need to see some actual change. We need to see some differences around this Cavs roster. Now, if they win and advance, then we're all gravy. But as of right now, I can't give this team the benefit of the doubt that they're going to win big in the postseason. It is more likely as of right now that we see what happened last year when the Knicks series, we see that one happen again. That's If you made me bet on it, I would bet on that more than I would bet on us being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Listen, I like this team. I'm just frustrated at the fact that this team seems like it's night and day than the team that we saw three weeks ago. And I'm not, it's hardly splitting the atom talking about basketball and talking about sports in life, okay? This is not hard. For anybody that's been paying attention the way that you guys have, if you're listening to me right now, you're paying attention. You see the differences in this team when Donovan is there versus when it's Donovan and Darius and everyone else. Like Donovan and Jared Allen made a lot work and a lot happen, and they were taking on good teams with ease. This right here, we're struggling against bad teams. 216474 to below 92. Donovan defending Darius, can the two coexist? And also, something happened this weekend. I think it's going to change how I feel forever. I'll explain what that is as well. It's overtime with Jonathan Pittman here with you on The Fan.
All right, coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll get to uh, a Steelers-Browns conversation. Whether or not the media is focusing too much on the Steelers here locally. Also, something in a few minutes. Something changed my life over the weekend. We'll get to that, uh, and again, not in a big way, but just in a way of how I, I think about things and my ideology. It'll be good for me long term. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. Right now, we're talking about uh, the fact that Donovan, did, you know, kind of went to bat for Darius Garland there last night after what was a tight game and and really a game that, I, I don't know, people wanted to make a big case about the two threes that Darius hit and how it changed the trajectory of the game. All right, fine. If you needed the, the trajectory changed against the Wizards, some things aren't going right to begin with anyway. I contend that two things happened there with Donovan. I think he fanned the flames of it all. I think he put a spotlight on the idea that Darius had not been having that good of a season. And I think he's also covering himself in case, in case it doesn't go well this postseason. And then he decides that he wants to go ahead and move on. And it would be his decision more than it would be anybody else's decision. But he wants to move on from Darius Garland. Wants to stay with the Cavs, but they need to shake the snow globe, so to speak. They need to mix it up and try something different. And they would need to mix it up. I, I, I would 100% agree that if they lose in the first round of the postseason, something needs to change this offseason. And I don't want it to be just J.B. Bickerstaff. It would likely be J.B. Bickerstaff, and then I need some actual roster changes as well. Because if that happens for the second straight year, one, I don't know how Donovan would end up signing the extension, but maybe he just loves what uh, Cleveland brings, loves the fact that they let him play his game, and really does think that Mobley and Allen are really good, and they're just a piece away beyond that. Well, then you got to do it. You got to do it, and there's no questions asked. It's a reason why Garland was rumored at the deadline to go to uh, the Spurs, to go to the Bulls, all sorts of different places. But Zach Harper was on Afternoon Drive, and he was talking about whether or not the ceiling is limited or impacted by Darius Garland. Here we go. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I, I think part of the, the way that this team is constructed, and, and we didn't quite see it against the Knicks last year for, for whatever reason, is I thought the team was really incredible when Darius was on the floor and he had the ball in his hand. And, they, and it, you know, the first two games, Donovan was really good. And then after that, he struggled for whatever reason. And, and I thought the team was better when Darius was there. I think you kind of need that check and balance of if one guy doesn't have it going, well, at least you have this other all-star guard who's in the mix and so you need both of them to be good you need both of them especially with the way the east is playing out i mean they're even a team six through nine six through eight are going to be really dangerous whether that's you're playing orlando or you're playing indiana or you're playing miami or whoever you know it's not going to be an easy first round win for whoever cleveland ends up facing and even if it's philly right even philly can be dangerous and so i think they need darius up to up to snuff to at least get into the second round and then and then who knows then maybe they can make a a deep play off run beyond that it won't be easy but you imagine what would happen if we were in the west right now west is so good and the east is fine there's some good teams in the postseason or will be some good teams in the postseason they're fine they're not anywhere close to what the west is currently offering up like you have an avenue here this season with the injuries to so many different people and I know Embiid is going to be coming back but Boston is the only true threat right now Milwaukee, is, they look like a dog, absolute dog, three-legged starving dog. I mean, uh, Doc Rivers doesn't know what he's doing over there at the, at the current moment. I, you can make an argument that he never really knew what he was doing over there because that 2008 Celtics team is the only team he ever won with, and that team had four Hall of Famers on it, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, uh, it's, it's not a, an, an impressively difficult conference that the Cavs have found themselves in right now. It's open. 
It's as open as the NFC was in football this year, where it really does feel like there's one elite team and everybody else is going to have a chance to play for a deep postseason run. Maybe we're the Lions this year. I don't know. There's an opportunity, though, for that to happen. 216-474-0092. Jeff in Cleveland up next on The Fan. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for taking my call. Oh, I, I was telling your colleague, uh, there's some more average in the NBA. No more average. That's it. If you're going to be an average player, you're not going to win in the postseason. Either you're a star, a superstar, or a megastar. Every night, the Cavs going up against stars, superstars, or megastars. There's no more average, so they, they need to step up the game, okay? They need to step up the game because they're not going against average players no more. And nothing's wrong with Garland. He's the same Garland he's always been. He's just not going up against average players. He's going up against stars and superstars. Go Cavs. All right, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you. The problem with that is that Garland's being paid like he's a superstar. $40 million a year for Darius Garland? He's not being paid like he's average. And I know, maybe maybe Darius got paid on the back of, you know, that all-star game appearance and then uh, what he could project to be out in the future. So maybe that's just a swing and a miss when it comes to paying that man $40 million a year. But he did what you had to do there. Darius averaging 18 a game. We haven't seen that since the 2020 season for Darius. His field goal percentage, an effective field goal percentage, eh, too far off from what his career averages typically are. It's just, it's so noticeable to people that are paying attention. It's so noticeable to you and me, the ones that are watching the games and we're seeing it with that with uh, Darius and without Darius. And it just, the team feels, it feels night and day. J.B. Bickerstaff spoke on uh, his team's lack of success recently uh, coming out of the All-Star break and how hard it's been. We just need to be better. I don't think we played to our standard. Um, I expected more fire from our group after, you know, losing two games in a row and then having an opportunity to play another one. We've got to get back to playing with that spirit and the way we played before the break. We got some tough stretches coming up here, but we've got to be better. I've got to do a better job of getting guys ready to play, and our players got to do a better job as well. It's a focus on our habits right now. Defensively, understanding personnel, strengths and weaknesses, and forcing people to their weakness, executing our coverages, you know, being more physical, all those things. I think we've got to continue to build those habits uh, to get us where we want to go eventually. All right, that's J.B. Bickerstaff. The new coach for that team up north has already started trash-talking. The 12-team college football playoff system officially has been adopted. Nick Wilson, Spencer German cover it all in the other college football headlines in the new Sons of the Shoe episode at 923thefan.com on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, I'm going to bring Dominic in here for a second. I said something changed my life over the weekend. I think I figured out what exactly it was that's always bothered me about SNL. So I I had I had moved away from SNL. I had convinced myself that I just don't like SNL and my wife likes SNL. And so we'd kind of we'd been getting back into it, but I I just I hadn't really enjoyed it when we've been doing it and I, I you know I guess I just hadn't connected the dots here. Because I love comedy. You guys should know this about me. I love comedy. And you know my sister I was I she just came in town uh, last weekend for or two weekends ago for my my daughter's first birthday party. And I was, I was telling Lise how uh, my wife for years, how I'd go to Chicago and I'd go see my sister and she'd take me to second city, which is what they, they do. It's like skits, right? It's like, it's the place where uh, Steve Carell, like basically, basically a who's who of people that have been in SNL go to second city first. It's like, it's like one of the, the meccas of where you go. If you want to become 
a person that is on SNL. And, and you know, for years I'd go in and she'd take me there and I never understood it. I was like, I, I don't get it. I don't find this particularly funny. I enjoy going because it's something to do, but I was like, I, I don't find it particularly funny. I don't understand why she keeps taking me to SNL. My mom was like, well, she takes you there because she knows you like comedy. And I'm like, it's not the type of comedy I like, though. And I hate to be that guy. It's kind of like different, like, like liking uh, different types of pizza. Uh, pizza. It's like, all right, are we a deep dish? Are we a Detroit style? Are we a thin crust? It's like, yeah, there's there's preferences here. I like stand-up. And so once I was able to figure that out, that I just like stand-up, not all comedies created equal, it was a lot easier. So every time I went into Chicago then, we'd go to a stand-up comedy place instead, and life became easier. And so Shane Gillis was on this past weekend, and he's a stand-up comedian. It's like John Mulaney. John Mulaney's a stand-up comedian that can also do the skit world. Shane Gillis got hired to be on SNL and then got fired. It was a whole thing, right? But And so I'd given up on SNL because I was convinced that it just wasn't funny. And, and to be honest, I watched a couple of the skits just because of Shane Gillis outside of his monologue. Even the one about gambling, where you could, you could gamble on people in your life for how they would ruin their lives – that should be the perfect skit for someone like me. And I was like, no, nah, it's not It's not it. I'm not a skit guy. I am a, I am a stand-up comedy guy. And from a stand-up comedy perspective, I thought Shane Gillis was hysterical. I thought it was so funny. I didn't know you could say half the things he said on SNL that late. But I come on in, and Dom is like, you watch SNL this weekend? And he might be the first person in years to legitimately ask me if I watched SNL this weekend. And I don't know if you were asking me because you knew I liked Shane Gillis or you were asking me because you yourself like Shane Gillis. Uh, well, I know you're a stand-up guy because we've talked about it before where we talked about, I think the term you used was like a comedian's comedian. Like we talked about that before in different... Well, there, so, are, there are certain yeah. people that are comedian's comedians, yes. yeah. yeah. So yeah. we talked about that. I like Shane Gillis. Like David Tell is a comedian's comedian, for instance. I like Shane Gillis personally. I love his the skits that he did. After he, uh, SNL got rid of him, he he had a show. I forget what it's called, but those skits were really popular for people in my generation. We referenced them all the time. Uh, but I like Shingillis. I know you like stand-up comedians. I just figured that you would – it's something that you would have watched because of a stand-up comedian. Okay. I wasn't sure if you just watched it and then was like, this is in the cultural zeitgeist right now, and I need to get my thoughts off about this, and, and you're the first person I came into. But you said you asked people at your other job if they had watched this, and no one had watched it. No, no, most people I talk to don't watch SNL anymore. I think that's kind of what it is these days. I think most people don't watch SNL. It, it has to be like Sydney Sweeney, I think, is hosting. Um, I think she's hosting next week. Yeah, I'll watch that. People will watch yeah. that. Of course, people will watch that. Bunch of horn dogs. But yeah, people will watch that. Of course, <laughs> they will. Like, that's how this works. I think, it, I think it matters who the guest is. But I thought, I thought there's a couple things I found fascinating with Shane Gillis and what happened there is that, and I could tell it in the moment. So. He made a couple jokes that weren't great, right? And and he acknowledged it, and I thought he did a good job. He, he swerved into the idea that it wasn't going great, and he acknowledged it wasn't going great. And then he went to a joke uh, that dealt with his cousin that deals with autism, right? And um, Or special needs. And uh, Down syndrome, Down syndrome specifically, yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just watched Love on the Spectrum, so I had autism on my brain. It's what we did on Sunday night. We watched Love on the Spectrum. It's an enjoyable show. It is. Anyway, I'm sorry. I apologize about that. So uh, he had his, his cousin that has Down syndrome, and he started off this joke, and he was going down this road, and I, I instantly, I was like, Elise, you see what's happening here? And she's like, no I, no, I have no idea. I'm like, I've heard this joke. He's done this joke in his special before. What was happening is he was bombing in his eyes. And I didn't think he was bombing. I thought he was doing fine. I just think he was just, it was, well, it was what it was. He was bombing 
in his eyes, in his own eyes, in this monologue, and he shifted mid-monologue to go to basically the ace up his sleeve, to go to what he knew would work and to get the jokes to then get him to the moment that he needed to get to in order to get out. I would bet dollars to donuts he had no intention. He probably had another five and a half minutes of brand new jokes, things he'd never thrown out there before outside of, uh, you know, know, maybe for a month or two prior to him finding out he was doing this. And he just abandoned it all in the spot because he knew he had to give something that was funnier than what he did for the first couple minutes. That I loved. I love seeing that. One thing that was enjoyable about that joke, I've seen his stand-up special where he does that joke, but he talks about his uncle in the stand-up. He yeah. talked about a different member of the family, which I thought was for those who are familiar with them. It's like, oh, it's a little bit of a different twist of the joke. But right? he used the same yeah. setup premise, everything, mm-hmm. right? Where he's like, oh, yeah, it, it, you could tell it nicked me too. And it's like like little, little jokes like that that you knew he was comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It'd be like if I was going down a segment and I, and I had a segment and I was like, oh, no. Oh, I didn't think this segment through at all. I got nothing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, I'm talking about the Bengals. That means I can talk about Joe Burrow. That means I can talk about the high school coach I interviewed with Joe Burrow and the the whoop band thing or whatever the hell. You know what I mean? Like like things I've done before in the past. I don't know. I thought that was fun. I think he did a great job. I got mad at the amount of people that wanted a a comedian that toes the line to stay within the line to begin with anyway, though. Like you knew this is going to happen. You don't blame the tiger when the tiger bites Siegfried and Roy. That's what tigers do. You don't blame Shane Gillis, a man who got fired from SNL for being controversial, when he goes on SNL and is controversial. Come on, people. All right, leave that there. I don't think right now is the time to gloat. But are we as fans talking about the Steelers a little bit too much? 216474 to below 92. That more, we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. 